You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Hey, you, sir! Stop it there! Hey, yo, Danny, uh, Captain Tapos? Misa back! No, again, Jaja. You, sir, go into the bosses. You, sir, a big doo doo this time. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you're listening to another quarantined episode of Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies from, you know, your childhood, those films you're nostalgic about, and we watch them objectively, let you know, are these movies any good, or are you just blinded by your nostalgia? This week, we watched 1999's action-adventure sci-fi fantasy, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Manus. Uh, a movie no one's ever heard of, right, Brandon? First, I've heard of it. Yeah, what? It, what is this star? Star what? Track? This is star. This star Wars. All around, I'm in a bad. I'm just in a funk. You know what I mean? Like, I think the nation's in a funk. The world's in a funk. Yeah, I think we both are. And watching this movie was just depressing. Like, god damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it really, like, it really, it kind of did the opposite effect of what what we really kind of need right now a star wars escapist adventure should do for yeah. those of you who are listening in the ruins of 2025 and <laughs> we are currently in a uh, global crisis right now with the coronavirus it's been a blast um good god people being told to stay home we were gonna do little big league next week in honor of baseball season returning but Brandon, baseball season's not coming back uh, for a while. Fucking sports are sports canceled, are canceled, my friend. Um, my life is in shambles, and we had to watch the Phantom Yeah, and I'm and I've been spending most of my day drinking White Claw and watching the Phantom Menace. So that's where you know what. Ugh. Oh, okay. Oh man. So we're gonna try and pick up the energy a little bit. Yes, Can't we are. Can't promise you much. I know. Everybody is probably listening to escape the reality that uh, the entire world is sick right now. So we'll try and fix it. Brandon, how you feeling? You you good? You sick? I'm good. We're good. No, we're good. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. good. I'm staying away from people as much as I can. However, you know, life has to go on. So everyone just remain calm. Continue doing your thing. And we'll try to bring a little joy into this uh, miserable existence right now. It's rough stuff out there, bud. I'll probably bring everyone down. So let's dive right into it because on that note, Brandon, we do have a ton to talk about this movie. Uh, Obviously, this being the first of the sequels or prequel trilogy. Trilogy. The prequel trilogy. He's got Rony, dude. You got Rony. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got so much coronavirus. Dude. It's messing with your brain. Don't do that. So we're gonna try and stick to the typical uh, format of the show where we go through the plot. But I'm just gonna tell you right off the top, I'm not gonna go one as in depth as I typically go with this stuff, or try not to. We're also not gonna get into the lore of Star Wars and all that stuff because it's pointless. There are literally hundreds of podcasts out there that do that for every episode. Who do it probably better than we do, but do oh, know far better. Yeah, but. Do do know that we are big Star Wars fans. Like we could, you, I think you more so than I. Oh uh, yeah, I fair like enough. Like these movies, yeah, I like these movies. Growing up, they've never been one. I would never put in my favorite movies of all time. They'd never put on any sort of list that defines me. But my father is a huge fan of Star Wars, and so he obviously introduced it to me. And this was. This movie here would have been the very first time I ever experienced real anticipation of a movie to what I think a lot of kids experience a lot now. And maybe it's 
Maybe it's so frequent because all of these Avengers type sized movies come out and they've invested their time and energy in it, but I don't think they'll quite understand what it was like when this this movie hit theaters, the entire country was just frothing at the mouth for this shit. It was insanity. Yeah. Um it's funny that you bring up how you kind of got into Star Wars based on a on a uh, adult figure in your life. My uncle was like the biggest Star Wars fan ever. Like seriously had like a giant replica uh Millennium Falcon in his basement, a life-size Princess Leia cutout. I think I put more mileage on my New Hope VHS than I did any VHS that I owned. I still actually just I don't have a VHS player, but I do. Hey, Brandon, you can probably see it, and I've got a box because I'm a lazy person who hasn't unpacked all my bags from when I moved. In that box is the VHS, an original copy of A New Hope, and I keep it for sentimentality's sake. Oh, and also to remove those hideous uh, CGI shots that he's put in them since. Yeah, it's true. Like I do anytime I try and go back and rewatch some of these movies, I will go online and look up the original cut because I can't stand the CGI edits um, or anything else that he's added in these fucking re-releases of the original Star Wars. So on that note, I am a huge Star Wars fan, and when I remember being in a theater when the Phantom Menace trailer came out, and Brandon, I like... I don't think I remember... I can't remember what movie I saw it because I lost my fucking mind. For, like, the next year, it's all I thought about was just, oh, my God, the Phantom Menace is coming. I Like, start new Star Wars. Uh, this is going to be the greatest day of my life. And I, I guess when I, as a kid, when I first saw this movie, Brandon, you couldn't have convinced me that it was a bad movie. I think I only got jaded about it as I grew up a little bit and as there were a ton of people surrounding me saying that it wasn't a good movie. And uh, this is actually out of the three pre prequels, uh, probably the one that I will defend like the second most. I will defend to the death Revenge of the Sith. This movie, not as much. And Attack of the Clones is a shitstorm of a film. Uh, I was so goddamn hyped for this movie. I remember having... And going all in on Jar Jar Binks. Once I started seeing the promotional materials, because this place was... You're a dude who would have gotten a tattoo. <laughs> dude, I would have. I had a Jar Jar Binks folder. All this sh Like, I remember a folder with all of my notes and shit for school. I went to school with that fucking folder. And even after the movie came out, because I was convinced, no, he's funny. He's a funny character. My uncle, that, that same uncle that was super into Star Wars, got me a collectible Jar Jar Binks clock. Um, that I never, it was the only Star Wars toy I never took out of the box. And uh, oh, that's probably worth billions today, dude. Oh, well, I was moving. I looked it up. It was worth a solid 20 bucks. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> swing and a miss on that one. But, you know, what are you going to do? Jar Jar Binks. I think this is the first movie that we, I or I, actively started to nostalgia be damn myself, where the, when I first saw it, I was kind of in love with it. But even that first viewing, it didn't. I didn't quite feel what I wanted to feel. You expected this or anticipated that, and it, what you got wasn't quite what you were wanting. And it was really, I think, the first time I ever actively pictured what a movie might be in my mind before I saw it because of all of the commercials and the, the teasers and all the promotional the fucking Pepsi cans with their the character faces on it that I collected. And it was just such a, a new form of excitement for me that I just had never experienced before. For our younger listeners who may not remember when The Phantom Menace came out, 
uh, he's not joking with the amount of promotion that went into this movie. You could not fucking escape how much The Phantom Menace was being shoved down your throat back when this film came out. I every Like you said, uh, fast food chains, video games, posters, commercials. That was when online was really starting to become a thing, which that's tough to remember is when like, oh yeah, the internet was just starting out this i mean that played a heavy role in it it was fascinating now looking back on it and as a kid it was really tough not to get caught up in that hype so em- employment consultant firm challenger gray and christmas estimated that 2.2 million full-time employees missed work to attend the film <laughs> resulting in technically 293 million dollar loss of u.s productivity according to the wall street journal so many workers announced plans to view the premiere that many companies closed on opening day and queue areas formed outside cinema theaters over a month before ticket sales began i mean that's astounding really only really only matched by the coronavirus in terms of unproductivity <laughs> i guess um, so yeah yeah i mean that's uh. i mean that's crazy though and honestly i you know had i been old enough to make that kind of decision i absolutely would have done that too i'd have skipped work and gone to the phantom menace that's how excited i was when this film was coming out lucasfilm spent 20 million dollars i'm sorry 200 million dollars yeah excuse you films (laughs) yeah exactly 200 million dollars on the film's advertising campaign and like you had mentioned they made promotional licensing deals with hasbro lego tricon global restaurants and pepsico that's why i think it was i remember it being at taco bell and kfc oh boy i would go there just to get meals just to get the toys not giving a fuck about the meal my dad would go to because again this was one of the few times he enabled <laughs> that frivolous spending uh such a cheap guy but when it came to star wars he was like fucking all in fucking go for it <laughs> yeah uh i remember brisk iced tea being like a huge thing um which i think like genuinely i love brisk iced tea it's one of my favorite drinks <laughs> Please sponsor us. Probably brisk started. Ice yeah, please sponsor us, Brisk. Um, and I think it genuinely may have been because Darth Maul's face was plastered all over it for a <laughs> Look while. Look at that. Brisk Ice is a lifelong patron now because of Darth Maul's fucking face. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> exactly. So I don't really need to tell you this, but the film was, of course, directed by George Lucas. Hmm? Who also. Yeah, this guy named George Lucas. Who's that? He also directed THX 1138, which I've never seen. Have you ever seen that movie? No. No. Okay. I have seen his next film, American Graffiti. Great movie. Really like that movie. Really good movie. Star Wars A New Hope. This film here, because he did not do Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, that's technically a 22-year gap in directing duties from, uh, you know... A New Hope to this, which was in 99. That was, of course, followed by Attack of the Clones in 2002 and Revenge of the Sith in 2005. He has not directed a film since then. 15 years. You know, his filmography is, like, kind of small for a director, isn't it? A person who created such a monumental piece of pop culture. You would you would imagine him having more titles. But honestly, he's only done, yeah, four Star Wars films. Three of them people can debate the quality of, I think. And honestly, other than that, it's like American Graffiti is a classic, I think. But he's, he's not nearly as prolific as a Robert Zemeckis or a Steven Spielberg, whom he's often lumped in the same category with. He does deserve some respect, but... As a filmmaker, as a genuine filmmaker, like, he hasn't even done enough movies where I, you know, I can watch a, a Michael Bay movie and be like, oh, yeah, I can point out all the Michael Bay-isms in that movie, or with, or I'm using a bad example, I guess, like the Coen brothers, like, I can picture, I can 
pick out Coen brotherisms. He hasn't even released enough movies where you can look at it and say, oh yeah, that's a classic George Lucas way of filmmaking. Yeah, he hasn't dis- developed any sort of sense of style or or distinct visual flair, I guess. Yeah, that separates him from other filmmakers, I agree. Uh, Phantom Menace has a 53% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.5 on IMDb. It cost $115 million to make. It earned $474 million in the U.S. and an insane $1.27 billion worldwide. And that does include the 3D re-release of the film, in theaters in 2012. Which I did not see. You didn't go to that? I didn't either. But I remember it was right after, yeah. By 2012, I was firmly in the stance where I was like, no, I don't need to see this movie any more than than I need to. Especially in fucking three dimensions, giving my shit a headache. Yeah, which I'm not a fan of 3D movies anyway. So seeing a movie that I already am like, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) In 3D. That seems like that would have been right on the tail end, too, of our 3D craze. I feel like that lasted about four four years around Avatar. And then, then we were like, this shit's getting old. I can't even imagine how fucking batshit stupid this movie is in 3D, too. Just the amount of crap that flies at you for zero reason. It was easily the number one film of 1999. In terms of the Star Wars franchise, it ranks as the fifth highest grossing entry, according to unadjusted for inflation numbers. So The Force Awakens, obviously, number one, followed by The Last Jedi, Rogue One, The Rise of Skywalker, this, A New Hope, Revenge of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, Solo, A Star Wars Story, and the theatrically released Clone Wars movie, at number 12. Wow. I mean, <sighs> yikes. Isn't it weird that The Empire Strikes Back is so low on that list? <laughs> yeah, it was shocking to me, too. I- I'm sure adjusted for inflation, yeah. Adjusted for inflation, probably different, but still, it's just like, oh, man. It's sandwiched between, yeah, Return of the Jedi and Solo, a Star Wars Yeah, <laughs> weird. Oh, Solo. At the time of this film's release, it was the third highest grossing film in North America behind Titanic and the original Star Wars. And it's the second highest grossing film worldwide behind Titanic without adjusting for inflation of ticket prices. That's, of course, before, you know, Marvel came around and did their thing. Despite being the first episode in the saga, this is the fourth, of course, Star Wars film to hit theaters. It was 32 years before the original film is what it's supposed to take place. And Zach, whew. (laughs) Trying to track this, the timeline and everything of this movie, it's dense. It's fucking dense. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. I can't even imagine what like a newcomer <laughs> who's never seen any star wars movie yeah. picking up with the phantom menace that's the thing someone watching this for the very first time and i of course we come from a generation who probably grew up watching the original trilogy first despite this coming out the time where we would be you know able to watch these sorts of movies us being like eight or nine ten when this came out yeah but i feel like someone watching this film for the very first time even someone, an adult right now, watch, starting with episode one, The Phantom Menace, I would be like, what the fuck? Why are we with this little kid? What does this all mean? Because you don't know he becomes Darth yeah. Vader. There's no hints at any of that type of deal. There's no, you know, flash forwards or anything to get you hooked. So if you were to just start with this, I would be like, oh, shit, I'm not investing. I'm not investing this time. It is so much to take in, um, and they do... They do not slow it down. You can even say in some of these newer movies that happen, um, like The Force Awakens, even that movie kind of like slows it down for new audiences a little bit. Just like, eh, you know what? It's an advent- action-adventure movie. 
even if you don't understand all the lore or you're not fully up to date on the Star Wars, you can sit back and enjoy the ride. Not this movie. This one starts off with galactic politics, deep dives into how the Force works and the Jedi, and introduces you to all these characters that if you had no idea who they were, you would write them off. Like, who fucking cares? Like you said about this little boy. Who the fuck is Qui-Gon Jinn or Obi-Wan Kenobi? What are these fucking weirdo names? Like... It's got to be such a daunting task to take on this movie fresh. This was the worst movie I've ever had to take notes for, by the way. Not only because it's bafflingly confusing plot-wise, but also just from a, uh, me typing notes out, every fucking person's name in this got autocorrected to something else that I have to go back because it's all this made-up gibberish and gleep glorp bullshit. I don't, I don't take notes, but I'm glad I wouldn't have had to take notes <laughs> if I did take notes on this one because... Uh, yeah, you're right. There, there's so much, there's so much bleep bloop nonsense in this movie. Have you watched any of the like making of these movies or anything? There's a documentary about the making of the Phantom Menace. And I, I've seen bits and pieces of it. I may have watched the whole thing. I just don't remember. But what I do remember is watching clips of George Lucas finish the rough cut of this movie, you know, and just sit there in silence like, well, there's things missing, something's like, and then all the pre-pro work of him being like, if Jar Jar Binks works, if we get this character work, the whole movie works. Everything rests on Jar Jar. <laughs> yep, that is, that is the, uh, the one part of that I've seen. I try and avoid some of the behind-the-scenes stuff with Star Wars. I don't know why, I just, like... I don't need it. Um, I, You know what? Let's get it out of the way. There is this theory in the internet that I do not subscribe to that Spencer, who is the voice that you hear, the very first voice you hear on our podcast, he's the one that welcomes you to the podcast. This theory that Jar Jar Binks is a Sith Lord who, <laughs> who has orchestrated the downfall of the entire galaxy and everything it's bullshit if that were true <laughs> this would be even more of a waste yeah, of time it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid stop looking into it to justify that these movies are arguably very bad just let them be bad movies it's fine you know it's not all bad zach our resident uh, critic roger ebert he gave this movie three and a half stars mm -hmm. he called it an astonishing achievement in imaginative filmmaking the movie was also nominated for three academy awards best sound effects editing best visual effects and best sound all of which it lost to the matrix <laughs> okay i mean to be fair the visual effects in this movie for the time are staggering i mean it's sometimes 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 there's a, i will say there's a lot of it i don't know how good it is there's a lot oh, it's of it's practically a cartoon i mean this whole movie is <laughs> yes. practically an animated film but um i remember at the time being enamored with oh my god it's like the star wars that i've grown up watching but it's fucking awesome now you know what sure. i mean i just like yes you're right you can make the argument that a lot of it doesn't hold up now um and some of it even for its time is pretty bad uh, sure but a lot of it, it the visuals in it are just like at the time that this came out was mind-blowing oh, i mean if we're being honest with ourselves and we look back at a new hope a lot of those effects don't quite hold up to today's you know oh yeah and there's a lot of like editing issues <laughs> in some of those movies that don't make sense the film was also awarded seven Razzie nominations for Worst Picture, Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, Worst Supporting Actor, Worst Supporting Actress, Worst Screen Couple, Jake Lloyd and Natalie Portman, and the Jar Jar Binks actor, 
uh, was also uh, he won worst supporting actor. Oh, Jake Lloyd was also nominated nominated with him. But uh, let's also talk won. about worst supporting yeah. actress because that was Sofia Coppola. Who Brandon? Did she even have lines in this movie? She didn't. That's really mean. I think she's just one of her guards, right? Queen Amidala's yeah. guards. Yeah, she's just one. Of, well, she's one of the background like wow. handmaids. Really mean. She's just like the person who stands next to Natalie Portman. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Calm it down, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, finally, before we get into the plot, Jake Lloyd has said that he has retired from acting because of the trauma he experienced after playing Anakin Skywalker. According to Lloyd, other children constantly teased him about the role. For example, they would make lightsaber sounds whenever he walked by. (laughs) Can you imagine being in the cafeteria, grabbing your food and walking by to go sit down? People were like, grow up, man. You were in Star Wars. Like, uh, get over it. I don't feel bad for him. (laughs) freaking nerd <laughs> jake lloyd of course this is our second lloyd fest right after jingle all the way who oh man he was really bad in that movie too yeah but was he better <laughs> maybe 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 his character i mean his lines in jingle all the way were probably better let's get into it <laughs> i think he gets a i think him and hayden christensen get a bad rep as Anakin Skywalker in all three of these movies, because I do wholeheartedly believe that the scripts and the dialogue in these movies are just that bad. Like, I'm not sure Leonardo DiCaprio could have done a good job with some of these lines. Are you an angel? Are you an angel? (laughs) All right. So we start with a typical Star Wars crawl, and I'm immediately like, Wait, what's going on? Because the second the second fucking line of this title crawl is, quote, the taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Yeah, it's oh, a little shit. obnoxious. Um, although I do have to say, even in some of these new movies, when the Star Wars theme song starts playing and that crawl starts and the big Star Wars comes at your face, get super emotional every time, man. It, that is a wave of nostalgia for me every time in the, when I'm in the theaters watching it. We're uh, introduced to Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn and his apprentice, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, they're looking to settle some sort of trade settlement Trade here. politics. Oh, the only, the best way to start this off, though, Newt Gunway. Gun, Gunray? Okay, this... Newt Gunray. Right off the top is, what's going on here? What is he doing, I, George Lucas, with the direction of these accents? I... I don't know, man. It's racist, right? It's racist. Oh, it's super racist. Yeah, I mean... It, it is. It's it's outrageous. It, I, there's no getting around it. Yeah. Even even back when this movie came out, everybody knew like, whoa, that's not cool, man. Like, you can't do that. They're sounding like the most racially insensitive version of a stereotypical like Chinese man, I guess, is what they're doing. Yeah, I think that's what it what it was <sighs> set out to be, man. It, it, it really sets the tone for this movie of just like you know, I don't like foreigners. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what's going on. And the the prosthetics here, the makeup, I, I'm always a proponent of the, you know, practical effects in movies when you can do it in camera. For this film specifically, Lucas goes the opposite, and almost every character walking by you is a fucking CGI Gleep Glorp. But these characters here, they're all practical, and while I kind of like the design of them, their faces and the way their lips move, it's just so unsettling. It's like the worst effects in Fifth Element, honestly. I think Fifth Element looks better than this movie. 
I don't know why certain characters were picked by Lucas to be completely CGI and others were going to be in costume. I guess maybe because these guys don't do much except walk around, so it's not like they have to be running or doing anything kind of wildly in these costumes, so maybe that's why I picked it. It's true. Jar Jar Binks is off, and all the Gungans are off, like, fighting and swimming underwater. And you got Watto and Sebulba. <laughs> so it probably gets maybe a little expensive to dress up all those people. Um but yeah, I, you're right. I think it was just a matter of close-ups on these guys and and lack of anything to do. Why not put him in a costume? Yeah, and Newt Gunray, he, he's kind of our villain of the movie, right? Which is really weird. I don't even... He doesn't seem like that big of a bad compared... I don't, I don't know what he's even... Because we get this little hologram of the Emperor... You know the big bad of the Star Wars universe, who's who's going to be Palpatine, right? That's that's later revealed in one of these sequels here. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. Who fucking cares? He gives the order to kill the Jedi's. Um, Jedi, you fucking loser. We get some destroyer droids. I like these guys. I like the way they roll in on the little balls, and I think they get more screen time in Attack of the Clones because they're only in a few shots in this one. But how do you feel overall about the CGI droids in this compared to your typical like stormtroopers? I'm okay with the idea of it. Um, it honestly, it kind of gives you the excuse to be like, it's so easy to manufacture, it makes the army almost seem foreboding. But what they didn't need to do was give these robots personality and the ability to talk. That <laughs> that fucks up everything in this movie because their voices are so stupid sounding and like they. They'll like do like weird hesitate. I remember there's one scene and it's fresh in my mind how stupid it is where he just goes, uh, wait a second, you're under arrest. <laughs> like he like hesitates, like he's thinking about it. Well, I wonder also just because based on the differences between, I mean, the 70s, 80s, and then where we were in the late 90s, if making them a f- obviously they're faceless soldiers, so you don't feel any emotional connection, but to get this a PG rating. The amount of droids they murder in this, you'd feel, I guess, maybe a little, it's a little darker if there are guys in suits, you know what I mean? Stormtrooper style. Yeah, it does definitely feel a little bit more, I guess, kid Kid friendly, friendly, even though you do see, even though you do see plenty of sentient beings dying in this movie, it just the ease of which they massacre this droid army in any given scene uh, probably does help out the uh, parental guidance a little bit. Yeah, yeah. We get our first look at Queen Amidala, Padme Amidala, Natalie Portman. Pretty iconic look in this, like, you know, it's like a geisha-inspired makeup and red wardrobe thing. She's always got weird fucking crazy-ass hair. Mm-hmm. And her voice is fucking weird. I don't know if I've ever noticed this, except maybe on this this rewatch, but what's going on with her voice? It's always deep, deepened, or robotic, almost sounding, when she's dressed as Amidala, and then when she's in her handmaiden tail, regular... Portman voice? I think the whole reason they do this is for the reveal later on in the movie when you find out that, like, that's not the real queen. I'm the real queen. Oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what... It just kind of, like, it feels like just to get the same two actresses on an easier page of, like, you guys need to sound like each other. Yeah, it's just weird and kind of off-putting voice. <laughs> yeah, give yeah. me this weird, lifeless voice for the, every every line. Doesn't matter. Like, my people are dying. I'm very scared about this. Okay, well, you know... I don't believe you. <laughs> and Natalie Portman, I think she was like 17 years old when she was Super young. this. Yeah. Yeah. And Kira Knightley, who plays her double, essentially. So they're going back and forth. I really lose track sometimes of which one is which. They look shockingly similar in the face, especially at a younger age. 
And it's at this point that the Jedi escape, they board a droid ship, they hop off at Naboo, where they stumble upon, you know, the movie's hero himself, Jar Jar Banks, who is a uh, Gungan outcast, and he's a little, he's a little clumsy, Zach. Why the fuck did he do this, man? Just why, why bother? Why, why make this character? You want to talk about racist, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Holy this character shit. is super racist. It's out of control. Out of control. He says things like, me says so sorry, and excuse me, and okie day. Oh, oh, man. And I feel bad for this actor who's clearly investing everything. This must have been like the dream project come true because George Lucas is hyping this fucking character up so much to the degree like, oh my God, I'm going to be the thing that walk people walk away from remembering. The prequel trilogies will be about Jar Jar Binks, essentially, is, is the way George Lucas hyped this up. And within weeks of this movie being released, you become one of the most hated characters in Star Wars lore. Or, like, pop culture. I don't know many people who stand up for this guy, even today, when I feel like the prequels get a better rep than they did immediately following their release. Yeah. No, it's true. Like, if you hear a general argument with The Phantom Menace, it's that it's a pretty decent movie minus Jar Jar Binks. Like, honestly, that is, like, the biggest argument people come up with as to why this movie suffers is this fucking character. Can you imagine what the next two films would have been like had reception been better? Even mild. But, I mean, there was such vitriol and, and hatred towards this character that it was impossible not to backpedal and to remove... Because he's barely in the second and third one. I mean, he's very clearly supposed to be, like, the Chewbacca of the group. Yeah, yeah. Like, always there. Like, that's essentially what it feels like. What if we let Chewbacca talk? Fuck. In these movies? Huh. Yeah, so he very clearly is supposed to become, like, the co-pilot of this whole franchise. And, like, thank God he listened to a little bit of criticism when it came to Jar Jar Binks because he's in, like, all of five minutes in the next two movies. I don't know, man. I would have loved to see a whole movie with Hayden Christensen and Jar Jar Binks teaming up, saving the fucking galaxy. I, you know what? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a that is a Disney Plus show. I would one hundred percent keep my subscription uh, for. Yikes! Ah, shit. So he, of course, uh, Qui Gon Jinn saves his life. So he's now indebted to him. Yep. So they're trying to figure out how to get to the the city of I forgot what the city's called. Uh, Otogunga. I think that's the underwater. No, no. Well, right? I, oh, was no, think, oh, fuck, I was Coruscant? thinking. Oh, I was thinking. No, I was thinking. <laughs> I, they're trying to get to the Naboo, the people of Naboo. Um, sure. And, the and why are they city, doing this? To warn them that the invasion that just landed over their heads is coming. Right. And to rescue the princess or whatever, or queen, whatever she is. Because, you know, yep. pretty typical Star Wars. Like, we got to rescue the princess. Um, yeah. And Jar Jar, he's outcasted from the society because people hate him as much as the audience does there <laughs> like we can show you the way in the gungan city or whatever so they go down to this underwater gungan city where they meet up with even more racist cartoons um <laughs> dude one of the generals on like on horseback or whatever the fucking stupid oh, creature is that hiding bad. as soon as he arrives he's basically like no fucking way jar jar you suck you suck in big doo-doo this time is what in says. big doo-doo this time <laughs> Yep. I can imagine, like, the most devout Star Wars fan, probably my dad watching this in theaters, just being like, what the fuck? I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, no. Star Wars fans, they can be finicky, man. It's tough to know if they like this stuff or not sometimes. <sighs> I'm going to take this with me, though. You sit in big doo-doo this time. You sit in big doo-doo this time. 
There's a lot of like bullshit. Basically, it's just to introduce, <laughs> that, yeah, that guy, the big fat boss ass, yeah, you know, boss ass, yeah. Um, it's basically just to introduce them and the fact that the Gungans are living secretly underwater. Like that, basically, there's two dominant species on this planet, <laughs> and so. And, but this is also the same planet that Queen Amidala comes from, right? She's she's a, yeah, she's Nabooian or whatever you call yeah, her. Yeah, she's a she's a Naboo. Okay, nice. Cool. Yeah, um, I got a pl- I got and we're this is gonna be such a disjointed, long bullshit episode. But I gotta poke a quick hole in this plot line, like the whole. Ooh, just one. Here we go. Let's get okay. Hot take. Yeah, just one. Here we go. But the whole the whole premise of this like blockade on this planet is to deny this planet resources and food that they trade. But you know, it's not like a different country where you can do that. Like if we impose sanctions on a country, we can really affect their economy and you know how they're surviving and that kind of stuff. This is an entire Earth like self sustaining planet. Do they really? How badly do they actually need traded goods in this place? They can probably make their own food and literally everything else. It's an entire planet. It's a little, little flaw there. I don't know, dude. It's basically like the U.S. and China trade agreements. You know what I mean? We could make it here, but let's not. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. Thank you for fixing Star Wars. Yeah. So <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, it makes sense, mind. though. Anyway, we're so yeah, yeah, jar, yeah. We'll get a speed through. Oh God, fucking damn it! We've made it. This is such a. I was gonna this. say this is such a fucking long movie too. <laughs> hey, guess what? People don't have anything else to do right now. That's so true. We're all set. Yeah, buckle so, up, Buttercups. <laughs> so Jar Jar, yeah, he joins the Jedi with his fucking comedy routine in their underwater ship. Gets attacked by a giant fish, which is then eaten by a big salamander thing, and then they're chased by an alligator tadpole thing. I mean, it's just it's at this point it's just action sequence to next act. Sequence. Yeah, and and Jar Jar the entire time just going like, <laughs> have you ever seen the Phantom edit? No, what is? Did they cut him out completely? Yeah, there's a group of fans who re-edited the Phantom Menace, and they cut out like midichlorians, and they cut out ninety percent of Jar Jar Binks, and they cut out a bunch of other stupid shit. It's a fantastic movie. It makes the Phantom Menace super watchable. Highly recommend. It. Is this a Topher Grace thing? Because I know he edits. He fan edits his own movies and like has cut together no. parts of the Star Wars trilogy. I don't or something. think. I mean, maybe it's a Topher Grace. I don't think so, but I highly recommend Brandon go watch the Phantom edit. It's it's actually really. How long is it? Like eighty five minutes? Yeah, I mean, I think it cuts out like a solid like. Because <laughs> this is like I think it cuts almost. out like a solid half hour, maybe more of this movie. Um, but again, like most of Jar Jar's crap is cut out. It makes it like way way better. Oh, where are we? They arrive at Theed. That's the capital city Theed, of Naboo. thank you. There we go. That, where the fuck were you five minutes I'm ago sorry. where I was struggling to figure I this out? I didn't know. And they have, they're given this cool silver spaceship that looks like that one from I Spy with Eddie Murphy and Owen Wilson. Remember that one? That's right. I do. <laughs> they get their shield generator destroyed, though, or some shit, so they send a bunch of droids out to fix it. All of them are killed except for one. R2-D2, the main motherfucking man. So there's R2-D2's our origin story. He was in a <laughs> he was in a locker and fixed a ship, and they were like, you're with us now, buddy. <laughs> I wonder how intricate and cool C-3PO is if he were to be introduced in this <laughs> the, movie this, is. This R2-D2 origin story kind of makes me laugh, because it's like, it's like befriending your virus software. <laughs> yeah, kind of, I guess. Like... Thanks for fixing my computer, virus software. You can hang out with me from Beep, now bloop, bloop. on. Let's go to work together. <laughs> yeah, let's go Save to work together. Save this disk drive, buddy. Send Jesus this here. Yeah. Anyway. 
So the Emperor introduces the film's, you know, real villain, in my opinion, to Newt Gunray. That's Darth Maul. Badass. Love this character design. What what can you say? Especially when, before ever seeing him in action, just seeing, you know, his the posters of his face and shit, I was hyped. This was like a weird horror element inside the Star Wars, because his face is all weird demon Freddy Krueger looking shit. And he's got a red lightsaber, which is bad, dude. But not only is it a red lightsaber, dude, it's a Double-sided red lightsaber. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, Oh, my little kid's inside exploded. So the ship is damaged as they pass, what, the Federation blockade or some shit. The hyperdrive is caught in the crossfire. So they land for repairs on the outlying desert planet of Tatooine on their way to Coruscant. I forgot why they're headed there, but who gives a shit? Coruscant? Because that's where the Galactic Senate is, Brandon. Oh, of course. That's the state capital. Yes, of course. It's the Galactic Capital, you fucking nerd. Anyway. (laughs) So they decide to bring Jar Jar again for whatever fucking reason. I don't know why they leave him on the ship. Why couldn't you have just left him in Naboo? Yeah, exactly. Just leave him in Naboo. That's all he wants to go to anyway. It seems like he's most happy when he returns there at the end of the movie. He gets off the ship and immediately steps in some sort of alien shit. Yeah, he like eats... He eats food off of a market stall and gets beaten up or something like that. (laughs) They got to fucking rescue his ass five seconds in. Like, oh, my God, just get the fuck away from us, please. Yeah. And then they bring who they believe is the queen's handmaiden. Uh, does she have a name here? What What is she called here? Padme. It, they call that's where she goes by Padme. Yeah, Yeah, because because the queen's name is Amidala. Queen Amidala, and Queen then Amidala, she's yeah. she's Padme Amidala, but they never refer to her last name. I don't know, man. Why do why do they need to do this? Why I guess because she wants to see the people, you know, on the ground level. Well, no, I know. understand why she why she comes. I don't understand why they have to hide her identity. Oh, and the, what I realized at this point too is that holy shit. Obi-Wan Kenobi really just jerks off in a spaceship for the next 45 minutes. He's fucking nowhere to be seen. Obi-Wan Kenobi doesn't do dick in this movie. And we haven't even talked about, I mean, Qui-Gon Jinn, Liam Neeson, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ewan McGregor. Really good. Honestly, probably the two best actors in this whole movie. And I like almost everything that they're doing. They're fine. They're they're fine. The fact that Ian McGregor is doing an Obi-Wan Kenobi series, it like... It gets me so hyped because he is far and away the best part of this the uh, prequel trilogy. And he doesn't get a whole lot to do in this one, I realize, until kind of the end. But he's, he's good here. And yeah, Liam Neeson, always a welcome presence. They need parts to fix the ship. So they meet some sort of junk shop owner, Watto. Uh, and he has a nine-year-old slave, Anakin Skywalker, Jake Lloyd himself. There's given no introduction to him you'd think with this guy being the central character everything really revolves around him for the entire fucking star wars saga mm-hmm. you'd really think he'd be given more of an entrance he just walks by in the back, back of the frame sits down and he's like are you an angel his first words it's like oh shit what's up oh uh, are you an angel is darth vader's <laughs> first words in followed star by wars. yippee <laughs> just a yippee! bit yippee he does that Let two that or three times in this you. movie, and it's yeah. like, oh, boy. Oh, yeah, his fake, like, I'm having so much fun, I'm a kid. He's Now, Jake Lloyd, honestly, I I guess we, we ragged on him again in <laughs> Jingle All the Way, and I'm sorry, but I have to talk about his just, he's a, he's a fairly incompetent kid actor in that you can tell he's just mimicking how the directors told him to say a line, even down to the point where he, like, 
looks from character to character, it's so unnatural and like timed and paused. It just, none of it seems like an actual kid saying any sort of real conversation. I really would like to know what the decision behind hiring him was because like he doesn't really look, he doesn't look like Mark Hamill. Oh, sure, if they want to go with that, yeah. If they want to go, like, down that line of, like, well, he becomes a Skywalker, you know, he's a Skywalker, and um, so he doesn't look like Mark Hamill or (laughs) or, uh, Carrie Fisher. So, and, like, he's not a particularly good actor when we know there are good kid actors out there, but, like, why... Why Kim? Why did we decide that this was the guy? You can watch his performance too in those behind the scenes documentaries and it's like you watch the kids who are also in the running and they're leagues ahead of him and you're wondering why George Lucas picked this kid I guess he keeps claiming that there's some sort of innocence to him and that he knows that he's the perfect choice but again you could have had Haley Joel Osment you could have had Jonathan Lipnicki dude Jonathan Lipnicki could have been Darth (laughs) Vader oh my god (laughs) would have been perfect he would have been great anyway and yeah, Jar Jar, there's another walkthrough. He, yeah, he, he winds up fucking with Sebulba, who was my favorite character as a kid from this movie. Really? Sebulba? I don't know why. Maybe it's just, yeah, I loved Sebulba. Okay. He was just like the coolest design. He was a little dick. And yeah, he's like the champion pod racer. We do meet C-3PO. He didn't need to. I Like, I get what they were going <laughs> for. Like, that's that's the thing in all the Star Wars movies is that through all nine of them, at least the the Skywalker saga movies is that those are the only two consistent characters throughout all nine movies are R two D two and C three PO. But you could have gotten away with just not putting C three PO in this movie. <laughs> yeah, he's clearly not finished, so you can see his innards. I had a toy of this. I still think probably it's back in my house, my childhood home. It's also like weird. Like, did he really need to be? Why couldn't he have just been like a protocol droid? Like, in general, why did he need to be made by Darth Vader? Darth Vader, yeah, I I don't know. I guess it's just, again, everything has to involve this one family line. (laughs) It's weird because the entire universe (laughs) evolves around this family. Anakin is also building his own, what, pod racer? Yeah, yep, pod racer. Um, And he's the only human to have... He did. He's never finished. He's never won a race, race, let alone finish one. But he's the only human to really compete. Yeah, because pod racing or not die. Pod racing is supposedly so fast, and your reflexes need to be so quick um, that humans just don't really possess that capability to do it. Brandon, unless you have some sort of outside force helping you. Uh oh, the force. Maybe. I don't know, dude. Kind of sounds a lot like midichlorians to me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. This whole time we're flashing back and forth between Darth Maul doing his little shit and like brief cutaway scenes and Newt bullshit and Palpatine shit. This movie, no scene lasts longer than two minutes except for the pod race, which is 10 minutes long. But it is so quick cutting and jumping from this place to that place. It really reminded me a lot of... Rise of Skywalker, in which I couldn't get a grasp on certain scenes because they were so quick and just here. Now we're here for two minutes, and now we're there for three minutes, and I'm like, why are we here and what are we doing? This doesn't feel very Star Warsy to me. If you've been listening to the Star Wars, ep- Star Wars episode wondering where our tone sit, because there's a clear divide in the Star Wars fandom between people who like that movie and people who don't, this podcast hates that fucking movie. <laughs> I hate that movie with a deep dying fucking passion. That movie's such bullshit. Fuck you, J.J. Abrams. Holy shit, dude. You know, it's not my least favorite. There's still a few that are uh, worse than it, in my opinion. I mean, Solo's worse, but... I'd even put it above uh, Attack of the Clones and probably this, too. Maybe. We'll see by the end of the episode. Uh, 
Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> They're over some dinner conversation. Qui-Gon basically decides to tell Anakin everything about all his entire plan. Again, this is just some fucking kid at this point. I don't know why he's spilling his guts. And yeah, Jake Lloyd's interrogation of him is really just super weird sounding because the kid doesn't sound like he's smart enough to understand what he's actually saying. Well, you've got like one of the most intimidating actors in history, Liam Neeson, trying to have like a serious Star Wars conversation with one of the worst kid actors in history. <laughs> it reminded me a lot of when Michael Caine was acting against the puppets in uh, Christmas Carol. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it, was just, like, it is. A glorious it is just actor, like one yeah, of like... one of the world's most respected actors and talking to Kermit the Frog in this piggy. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Yeah, Qui-Gon senses a strong presence of the Force within Anakin, and he soon becomes convinced that he's the prophesized chosen one. He starts talking to his mother asks her like who's his father then she's like there is no father i carried him gave birth to him but it cannot be explained oh wait what the fuck <laughs> wait oh what? so he's jesus he's yeah. jesus this is another thing why did we need this like i don't the, know this could have be- just been like no he's just particularly really good at what he does there's so many mixed signals of this weird like Buddha-like religion of of Star Wars and the Zen-like nature of all things with the Force and it flows and everything, and then also scientific blood count, midichlorian fucking things that live in our cells or some shit, which the new movies just promptly ignore. They're like, yeah, that <laughs> yeah, that's and not thank real. God, because yeah. holy shit, yeah, because yeah. that's so stupid. Ridiculous. Like it went from, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I sound like such a nerd doing this, but like going from like, yeah, it's just like a, a, you know, a presence around us that we coexist with to like, no, they're like little <laughs> parasites in your body <laughs> and they speak to you and shit. And it's like, what? and they give you magic because <laughs> yeah, Qui-Gon in this next scene illegally obtains some of uh, Anakin's blood, sends it back to Obi-Wan <laughs> yeah, really quick. Like, oh, just shut up. Go to bed. Oh, why'd you Never do that? Mind you. Don't yeah. worry about it. Shut up. <laughs> go to bed. Yeah. You got shit to do in the morning. Sends it back to Obi-Wan, who, yeah, again, has been doing fuck all this entire time. He ana- analyzes it, the midichlorian count, and it's off the fucking charts, dude. It's more than 20,000. Not even Master Yoda has that many. What? What is that unit? What does that mean? Yeah, like, who fucking... 20,000 midichlorians? Wow, this guy's really good at the Force. Yeah, and he says everyone has midichlorian count, but only a certain amount gives you the Jedi power? I don't know, man. What am I testing positive for? I need to go get a corona test, and I also need a test to figure out my midichlorian count. You'll probably find a midichlorian count test faster than you'll get a coronavirus (laughs) test. (laughs) I sure hope my fucking insurance covers it, man. Oh, shit. We are living in very dark times right now. (laughs) Super dark times. So Qui-Gon, he also convinces Watto to front the fee for the upcoming pod race. Uh, You know, something I don't like my Jedi doing, by the way, is high-fiving to seal a deal. When Watto and him come into the agreement, Watto just like, slaps his hand. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I like that. Yeah. (laughs) This pod racing scene, though, Brandon... My favorite scene of the movie. My favorite scene of the movie, definitely. And the only the only thing that could rival it is the few seconds that precede it. Sebulba's fucking with Anakin's, you know, pod racer so that it destroys. Jar Jar Binks gets farted right in the face by some sort of <laughs> horse animal dude. And that boosted it 10 points in my review right there. <laughs> uh, for you real, uh, true Star Wars fans, you might be able to spot the uh, gross... CGI Jabba the Hutt cameo, too. <laughs> yeah, for that. you real Star Wars fans. 
you might be able to find one of the most iconic characters. Um, I felt fine about it. I mean, whatever. I guess it makes sense because they are like they're on Tatooine, which is run by the Huts. I guess it would make sense that you would. Oh, see. does it does it pass your Star Wars barometer, dude? Is it? Yeah, it <laughs> yeah, does okay, actually. Good. It really does. Like, I don't think we needed it, but it passes. Like, yeah. that was one of the ones where I'm like, because so much of the shit that is shoved into this movie is just like, remember this? Like, it is nostalgia bait like remember when this was in a new hope and remember this from empire like this is the only this is one of the very few things that i saw and i was like you know what that one passes like they he didn't really aside from it looking off yeah it does look bad no don't get me wrong like ew but but then we get the what the tuscan raiders too they're shooting at during that at them during the pod racing things again these little these little tiny bits of Remember this from the the good ones? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Remember when this movie was Be intense. I like this this is this works as a, as a scene. And it's more world building that we get to see that isn't just like uh, politics, you know? Like it's it's the very few bit of world building in this movie that it's just like, you know, more stuff is happening than just like politics and people fighting and war. Like this is what people do for fun on Tatooine. Yeah. Like, the same thing that we do until a virus cancels it. Oh, shit. Well, I mean, this this really is a solid, what, 30, 35 minutes in the movie? Is this chunk on Tatooine? Really long. And it's, it is it is weird because after this scene is when I started to hit a wall of just like, oh, my God, okay, I'm ready for it to end now. Because um, it, it, it almost felt climactic, the the length of it and the intensity of it. And like you said, one of the better parts of the movie. So it's just kind of like after that scene, I'm kind of ready for the movie to just be over. Anakin obviously wins. Most of the other pod racers die. Sebulba, you know, he, he spirals out. And I guess Watto had bet Qui-Gon earlier Anakin's freedom. So he's set free. <laughs> while while he's leaving, by the way, barely asks his mom. It's like the last thing he asks, like, wait, are you not free too? Because he's going on like, yeah, I'm a fucking free man, bitch. I'm a Jedi now, bitch. <laughs> yeah, because again, Qui-Gon's like, yeah, your midichlorian count, bro. It's off the charts. Sounds like such a weird STD. You're one of us. I'm going to train you. C-3PO is in his room, is left behind. And, and it's honestly one of my favorite exchanges in this whole fucking saga. Because he's just walking around like, yeah, sorry I couldn't finish you, C-3PO. I'll make sure my mom doesn't sell you or anything all right bye <laughs> he's just like oh fuck dude i'm a sentient robot who's not finished and my fucking master's leaving <laughs> is he seen again does he come back he must come back not for this movie <laughs> right <laughs> okay I, I thought for a second like i don't remember seeing C-3PO no again. he actually doesn't even come back for the second one until like the third act <laughs> <laughs> they did it wrong at one point in at one point in attack of the clones they go back like an hour and a half into the movie, they go back to Tatooine, and that's where they find him. And again, for some reason, they're like, you stick with us, buddy. So the mom's left behind. On their way out, though, Darth Maul crashes the party, starts, you know, destroying some shit. Oh, my God, and they tease us with this lightsaber fight that lasts all of 10 seconds. It is super, super quick. But Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, they escape. They escort Padme to Coruscant so that she can, I guess, plead her people's case to the galactic senate i gotta stop you what why do you keep calling it coruscant what is it coruscant coruscant it's yeah okay well there's a c in there maybe i'm just over silent you fucking nerd holy shit i'm so embarrassed (laughs) we've been doing it all pod we've lost so many (laughs) listeners because you can't pronounce coruscant look again i said i was a fan more of a casual fan all right fuck 
So there's a whole lot of boring-ass Federation control disputes. Basically, Senate filibustering. <laughs> Who fucking cares? Who this is boring fucking as fuck. cares? We get a shot of E.T. there for a quick second there. You can see him. Oh, yeah. If you, like, zoom in. Yeah, there's that little cameo. Thanks for that. Didn't need it. <sighs> we finally, finally get some Mace Windu. Little Yoda. Very brief, but at least it's it's something, man. He doesn't look as awful as I remembered. I thought Yoda. Well, because you watched you watched it on Disney Plus, didn't you? I did watch it on. Di- I did not watch my Blu-ray set, so yeah, I'm curious if, if that you go looks back shittier. and watch. If you go back and watch the original, they use a puppet, and it looks awful. Really? Oh, okay. Yep. Interesting. The Disney Plus version, I believe, is the re-released version where they fix Yoda. Because yeah, he doesn't original... look as shitty as I remembered. I'm going to bring it up for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's great. Well, it... Qui-Gon, yeah, he tells the Jedi Council about Anakin. You know, he even mentions at one point that he could have been born of midichlorians, which I don't <laughs> know what that means. Well, it's them fucking making the excuse that, like, oh, yeah, like, that's why you, uh, you know, that's why you don't have a father. Um, okay, here. So they did, they remade the Yoda puppet in... 2000 oh, that's a bad picture in 2012 they remade oh the shit puppet. yep that's what i remember yeah yep and the yoda because the original yoda puppet looked they tried to they tried to give it the same sort of look that they gave it in the original series um but make him somewhat younger even though it's only like 30 years since the next time you see him and it's supposedly like an 800 year old being like did you like these last 30 years have been fucking rough on yoda yeah the last 30 (laughs) years really put it to like just fucking use the same puppet (laughs) and yeah there's more of this senate meeting bullshit uh during this whole thing by the way palpatine who becomes Darth what, Sidious, who's also the Emperor. Is that technically what's going on here, eventually? Do I, yeah, I mean, I guess I can go into, like... Again, I guess we're never getting into the later sequels, so, I mean, this is a one-off. Maybe, I mean, maybe we'll get into it someday when we run out of... He did, I mean, yes, he is his Darth Sidious, so, like, when you become a, a Sith, you get, like, a new name. That's why Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader. Right, you right. Know, it's, like, it's like becoming Pope, like, you get a new name. Right, yeah. You're pretty cool, Zach. Yeah, I fucking know. <laughs> Palpatine, though, this whole time is gaslighting Amidala while oh she's trying God, to, like, yeah. <laughs> talk to somebody. Oh, boy. And, yeah, the, the council sees Anakin. You know, they like what they see. He's good at the flashcard trick. But Yoda senses a whole lot of bitch-ass fear in this guy. He's also a little dangerous. He says, wow, you can really look through flashcards, but you're a little <laughs> pussy. Kind exactly. of a little pussy. We don't let pussies in our club. <laughs> That's essentially what they tell him. They're like, no, nah, he's just too much of a pussy. <laughs> yeah, but Qui-Gon volunteers to train him himself. He'll do the job. And then, and then he's like, you already have an apprentice, by the way. I'm right back here, Obi-Wan. He's like, no, Obi-Wan's fucking ready for the trials, right? Yeah, Obi-Wan's great, man. Yeah, he's fucking sweet. Yeah, the trials, dude. Has that ever been a movie? You no, know, I actually... Has that ever been a net? No, it's been books. Um, that ought to be I, a movie. Uh, I'd watch that. The fucking Jedi training council bullshit. You know what? Again, I, my nerd is showing, but I've actually read several of the Obi-Wan Kenobi Qui-Gon Jinn books. Oh, shit, dude. They were great. Yeah, this was a fun podcast, too, when I knew you or thought I knew you. <laughs> All right. You really want to keep track yeah, I'm gonna, on which one of us? I'm going to end it. Yeah, I'm going to end it. Yeah, why don't you Thanks, shut dude. your fucking mouth and let me have Star Wars, Whatever. you fucking weirdo. Schneider soldiers. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Oh, man. So Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, they're ordered by the Jedi Council to accompany the Queen 
and investigate the return of the Sith, whom they believed to have been extinct. Palpatine's also gunning for that fucking election, man. We get a little bit of his platform, because that's really what I want in my Star Wars movie. Make the galaxy great again. <laughs> exactly, politics. I wanted to see him putting out candidate signs on fucking highways up there, but no, no such luck. You know, there is a great, a great Twitter account that just takes everything that Trump says and puts it in El- Emperor Palpatine context. <laughs> nice, okay. Well, there we go. Yeah. Uh... That's what the internet was invented for. Amidala wants to head back to Naboo to be with her people. And yeah, Anakin is refused to be trained as a Jedi by the council. Anyway, back on Naboo, dude. The Gungan cities are being, you know, they're pretty deserted. Amidala, who's now played by Kira Knightley for a bit, because Padme here, she finally reveals herself. Twist Shyamalan ending. She was Queen Amidala the whole time. Again, like, I, that uh, actually was a genuine when I saw it in the theater. Like, what? But now as wait. an adult, I'm like, why'd they bother? Why did they bother? Sounds like just like a lazy excuse to get her on tattoo. Ah, maybe, dude. I don't know about that. She does persuade them, you know, the Gungans, to join in an alliance against the Trade Federation. Boss Nass, he does this fat shake face sound and slobber. Not a fan of that. Jar Jar is inexplicably uh, promoted to general. (laughs) What gives us, like, any sort of, like, hey, thanks for... But in classic Jar Jar style, he faints. Classic Jar Jar. He's such a klutz. That's when they begin to assemble an army. And orders from the Emperor then come down to destroy said army. And we finally get some Star Wars in much of a battle that takes place in a grassy field. (laughs) Yeah. Um, A horrific-looking CGI grass field. I mean, again, like, this... Half this movie is just a cartoon. And he doesn't do any favors to the to the artist, the visual effects artist, because unlike most of these films that are coming out around this time that hide all this CG in darkness or at least a little shadow, he's like, I want everything fucking brightly lit as as brightly lit as possible. Yeah, this is a paradise planet. And it's daytime always. <laughs> so this is when Duel of the Fates finally starts up. Darth Maul enters the palace with his fucking double-sided lightsaber it's dope fight begins this is all of course crosscut with anakin shooting people in a ship we get a little star wars action in space also finally with them shooting at each other this movie for this this is when i realized it actually right here there has been an astonishingly little use of the force throughout this entire film no one's doing shit (laughs) no one's doing anything in this movie (laughs) (laughs) Like, at all. And that's why this scene is so badass. The choreography here is really well done. For the longest time, Star Wars fans, if if you're not seeing this movie, for the longest time, your idea of what a Jedi is is some guy in, like, a massive bulky costume that makes it hard to move, Mark Hamill, and some old guy who, like, also couldn't move, and you just had to, like, take it. Uh, you know, by word of mouth that they were badass. This is the first time you actually get to see like, no, this is what like when they're fully going out doing what they do. This is what Jedi's looked like. Jedi, excuse me. Maybe it is a plural s. Maybe it is an s. If you know the plural of Jedi. Ooh, I was gonna say, who knows, man? Yeah, but you uh, and McGregor, you can tell, is really fucking kicking ass here. Of course, Darth Maul, played by Ray Park. His voice, by the way, I just learned was the guy in. Shaun of the Dead? He only has two lines, but it's the voice of his roommate in Shaun of the Dead? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that was Darth Maul's voice. Yeah, pretty badass, <laughs> That's right? so weird. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Um, yeah, Ray Park, total badass here. This is a great scene. Again, next to the pod race, the best scene in the movie. Absolutely. Um, and that's why it makes that scene when they're like fighting for five seconds on, court, or on Tatooine so frustrating, because when they do start fighting, 
it's mesmerizing. Yeah, they're leaping all over the place and shit. The choreography that goes into this, yeah, it's nuts. Um, and like, and it is helped by Duel of the Fates. Oh, great piece of music. And unfortunately, that's crosscut with Jar Jar Binks on the ground with all his fucking gungans. And these effects look like Halo Two or some shit, man. Yeah, it's, it looks it's awful. Pretty rough. And and the the fight in space is also kind of boring too yeah like yeah the fight like when they did it in the originals like you know when they assaulted the death star it it was captivating and there was a lot going on and even if they weren't really doing much there was a lot of drama this is just like again bright lights flashing before your eyes for like 20 minutes and then boom qui-gon unfortunately gets stabbed by maul mortally wounded obi-wan is behind this like I don't know, phaser or some shit that would cut him in half if he ran into it. I just want to mention this because I really loved his, like, fucking psych himself up <laughs> locker room, like, pre-workout oh, jumps pain, he's doing yeah. as he's about to run. Yeah, he's, like, like, pacing, pacing in place. back and forth, yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, here we go. And then, yeah, this is the, some of the best choreography. Anakin, meanwhile, he does blow up the control ship so all the droids go down on the ground, which, in my opinion, is a huge design flaw <laughs> in a series filled with them. That's another big one. I was going to say, well, you know, you can also blow up the Death Star through an exhaust vent, so... <laughs> But Obi-Wan channels the force, he hops over Maul, grabs Qui-Gon's lightsaber, and slices him in fucking half. Pretty cool shot where he falls off and it looks like he's in one piece, and then the top and, and bottom half separate. Half, yeah. yeah, dude, pretty cool, pretty cool. And yeah, I mean, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the war is over. Um, they're, they're Qui-Gon ha- dies, yeah, in Obi-Wan's arms, right? And he's promised he'll train the boy because he's the fucking chosen one. <laughs> Gunray is arrested. Palpatine is elected chancellor. Oh, God. And then the fucking council burns Qui-Gon's body in front of everyone. What a dope funeral. And Obi-Wan and Anakin have maybe their second conversation in this <laughs> entire movie. Maybe, actually, yeah. probably, like, other than their introduction where they're like, hello, nice to meet you. There's that, and then there's this conversation. Like, it is... What a fucking mistake. Like, this is a relationship that sets the tone for, like... Six movies. And you can tell Obi-Wan's immediately, like, pissed off by this kid. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah, he's just like, ah, oh, fuck. He picked up another fucking random person. <laughs> he even calls him a, what pathetic life form have you picked up today or whatever to Qui-Gon. Yeah, and it's like, I guess I'll train you. But it's like, it's a father-son or even maybe brother-brother relationship that sets the tone for, like, every character development moving forward. <laughs> like, and and they barely talk. <laughs> Luckily, we get that third, the scene at the end of the, the third one, dude. The whole, you know, you were the chosen one, Anakin. Really you sells my it. Brother. Really takes it home. Yeah, great scene. Great scene. And, you know, it's not a Star Wars movie if we're not ending on a fucking celebration of sorts. So we get this parade. Amidala's giving out some presents and bullshit. Peace has been established. And Boss Nass, for whatever reason, is like the last shot we get of this Peace. movie of him just holding. Oh, shit. It's over the top. Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Oh, boy. Your thoughts, Brandon? This this is just a... It's a boring movie, man. It's a boring-ass movie with not a lot of great acting coming from other than the niece's pieces and Ewan McGregor. Jake Lloyd is a, such an underwhelming lead and the forced bullshit with Jar Jar Binks, it really just all adds up to a whole lot of nothing when this is supposed to set up the rest of the trilogy. I've heard a lot of people 
cut this movie out entirely when they rewatch the saga. They start from Attack of the Clones because they feel like a lot of this is completely unnecessary. I don't know if I'd go that far, and honestly, I think this may be a little better than Attack of the Clones from what I can remember. Again, I haven't seen that one in a long time, but I remember that one being somehow even more boring than this one. That movie's the worst of the franchise. I yeah, think. I'll say, I mean, honestly, other than the pod racing scene, the duel of the fates at the end, there's a few interesting, I guess, character designs throughout this, but, and again, I really do like Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson, <laughs> Sebulba, for whatever reason. I, I like, honestly, the whole bit on Tatooine, it, despite it being really dumb and seeming like it's slowing the movie down. Sadly, once you leave there, it's even slower <laughs> and you get into fucking trade disputes and politics. And I don't need that shit in a Star Wars movie. I don't know why he set this up this way when he had a fucking blank canvas. You got to get three movies. You're going to get to Darth Vader. How do you start that? And why in mm -hmm. the world would you start here? As again, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I, I do really enjoy the movies. And I think for what it did for the filmmaking landscape, Star Wars is a legendary, one of the most important movies we've ever had. But as a casual fan of this series, I think this is one of the worst. I don't know if it's a movie I'd ever rewatch if I were, if any other reason than to guess just do a Star Wars uh, marathon. There's no reason I'd ever go back to this movie or any scenes of it other than the pod racing one and, and Duel of the Fates. Darth Maul's pretty badass, I will say, but Jar Jar Binks, man, man, does he take a toll. Uh, this one had a third, a 53%. I think that's, that's, that's too generous. I'll give it a 40. I'll give it a 40. It's, it's whatever. It's, it's on the lower end of these type of epic scaled franchises. When so much money's going into this, this really should have been much better than it turned out. I'm going to try my very best because unlike you, I am more of like, well, I'm de certainly not the most hardcore Star Wars fan I've ever met. I've met plenty of people way more obsessed with this franchise, but I am really into Star Wars. Um, so I'll try and give it my film criticism and not my Star Wars criticism. Um, but you're right. It, it This entire movie feels like a miscalculation. Just like everything was like, why would you do this? Why would you do this? Why would you do this? It's about 45 minutes too long. No reason this movie has to be two and a half hours long. That's absurd um the pod and, and like it just feels like it's it's such a disappointment because he set the tone for getting away from everything that made the original star wars great like great action pieces and that's i think what works the best in this movie is when they do have action pieces it's everything else in between that doesn't work fucking the pod racing is great the lightsaber battles are great them talking about midichlorians is stupid them bartering for like 20 minutes about spaceship parts is stupid them doing 15 minutes in a Senate hearing is stupid. Like, it's, it, it just feels like, like you said, it is baffling that he had this blank canvas and he just chose to go in so many weird directions. Um, you know, that being said, I would not put this near the bottom of the bad Star Wars movies. I think, well, maybe towards the lower half for sure, but I can think of, uh, honestly, Attack of the Clones is the worst, worst one of the bunch. At least, at least, if we're going on just the Skywalker saga, not the spinoffs. Oh wait, okay. Um, well, including spinoffs, I'm talking everything but the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. including spinoffs. Oh, everything but the Clone. Okay, fine. I will put. I mean, I think Solo and Attack of the Clones are worse movies than this. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say that this new one, uh, 
Rise of Skywalker, I think, is worse than this movie. Wow. I, I cannot stress how much I did not like Rise of Skywalker. Oh, to be, shit. To be fair, I cannot stress how much I dislike that movie. I would put that and Solo above this. Go I watch think. the scenes with just Jon Favreau and Solo and then come back to me. Yeah, I, I just think, like it, like you said, I mean, I think boring is the best way to put it. It really, like, it is just two and a half hours of... 90% nonsense and 10% actual good movie. Um, that being said, I mean, there isn't a lot that I think puts a full on break on this movie, like attack of the clones has where just like, there are parts of this movie that are just like, this is fucking ruining everything. <laughs> like there are parts that make it really bad, really bad. Jar Jar Binks yeah. obviously makes it bad, but I, I, I never at any point feel like this movie just needs to be, put on pause like I do some of the other ones. Um, I'm going to, but I will echo your sentiment. I don't always like to agree with you, but I think a 40 is probably the good rating for this because it is, well, not good. Certainly not the worst one. Um, I'm telling you, go watch the Phantom Edit, man. It is, <laughs> you're laughing, but like it, it is like, it's such a good recut of this movie. Rewatching this movie, I think for the first time I realized how much of a, kids movie this is this this is really geared towards children i think right well it's supposed to be and star wars is always supposed to be more for younger audiences and you know children um mixed in i think with that 70s sense of like we don't care if there's a ton of violence (laughs) um i think where it falls short is yeah it is supposed to be for kids but kids don't want to hear about trade negotiations Right. You have Jar Jar Binks being farted in the face, and then 20 minutes later we're talking about, you know, the decimation of populations and shit for, for what and why. and Yeah, we're talking about sanctions against a federation of planets. Like, yeah. who <laughs> fuck? Like, what? Can we send an official inquisition to your planet to see if what you're telling us is true? Like, fuck <laughs> off. Yeah, dude. You say in big doo-doo this time. <laughs> You say in big doo-doo this time. But yeah, I think if you judge it from the perspective of this is a kid's movie, I guess it it holds up a little bit better than I anticipated. Again, going back into this, and I think in the years since we've had the distance from this this prequel trilogy and then now seeing what this new trilogy has become, I feel like these movies may not be as awful as I remembered them or or wanted or or were told they were. I got to tell you, I just rewatched them. They're not. They're really, okay. they're really not. Um, yeah, they have issues. Oh my god, do they have issues? Attack of the Clones has so so many issues, but they're not that bad. <laughs> that's where I am. That that's that's where I am. That argument, like they're they're really not. Like I I just you just have to go back and watch them. They're all on Disney Plus. Um, I just think, especially compared to some of the movies that we get now, like they're different. They're unique. Um, and uh, I give them credit for that, at least. Yeah, I'm curious if people, like we mentioned earlier, if they were to start with this, if they would, you know, take their <laughs> invest that much time into this Star Wars universe where this is the first taste in your mouth, you know what I mean? Is it the best first impression for someone being introduced to this series? I, I don't believe so. But no, you have, to sh- you have to start with episode four. Right? I think so. I think you do just to even want to watch this. <laughs> like, I feel like if you had never any concept, no... Uh, relationship with Star Wars whatsoever at 15 minutes into this movie you're going to be bored as shit and not knowing where it's going or why you're bothering wasting your time here 
Yeah, it's not a good movie for newcomers if you have to pause and explain who Anakin Skywalker is and why we should care about him. Yeah, and on the, you know, nostalgia topic of it all, I suppose that it did it did make me, it did kind of fill me with that nostalgia for that time, or and it reminded me, almost similar to when we talked about Godzilla, just I remember those those advertisements constantly and just being bombarded with merchandise and, and I feel like I remember that more than the feeling of watching the movie but it was a big uh, it was a nice blast of nostalgia well I think that's that is Star like I think any Star Wars movie no matter when it came out is a blast of nostalgia I think that's why the world burns every time a new one comes out and that's why people are so pissed off about uh, what you do with them and where you take them and which ones are their favorites and which one they consider like fucking blasphemy yeah which I'll, I'll go I'll go toe to toe with anybody if you want to argue with me. I'm ready. For <laughs> no, it. I think we're fine. I think it's good. Yeah, we're no, bring we, it no, on. no, we're good. Uh, Zach, do you watch anything uh, this week worth recommending? While well, you've been quarantined quite yet, you're, you're just start, we're just starting kind of the effects of this whole thing being shut down. So we'll probably have a bigger list next week. <laughs> probably not, man. I'm probably going to be working. <laughs> Rough stuff. Yeah, it happens. But anyway, uh, I have been watched because I just realized that HBO released a second series of it um called the new pope um i haven't seen the new pope yet that's with john malkovich and uh jude law but it's the sequel series to the young pope which is a fucking insane series about jude law becoming like a 47 year old american pope and he's like psycho i'm trying to you just have to watch it it's like some guy with like really radical views becoming pope and like it's a lot of like papal politics and stuff like that a good drama but it also has that mix of like beautiful sort of imagery that you can only get from dark religious series you know what i'm talking about and you said you've watched the new pope too i have not watched the new pope i've watched the young pope before how about two popes (laughs) I have not seen two popes yet, but um, the young pope I've actually seen before. But it was so long; it was actually I think I started it the week we started this podcast, Brandon. Um, yeah, like years and years ago, and it was really good. So I'm rewatching that so I can watch the new pope, which has John Malkovich in it. Oh fuck! What about two pope, two furious? <laughs> two pope, two furious is great. Um, Speaking of which, that movie pushed. That's uh, pushed a full year till April twenty twenty one, I believe. A full fucking year. Yeah, how are you gonna live your life knowing that you can't see a new Fast and Furious for a whole another year? I'll probably wake up the same time I wake up every day and go to bed the same time I go to bed every day. Oh, so it'll be like life never changed. Yeah, almost like it doesn't affect me. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. Well, what about you? It's uh, yeah, it's this is probably the last week where I'll have like a big watch count in theaters because it seems like they're shuttering movies that are just not coming out nearly as frequently. Everyone's holding, so I don't even. There's nothing on the wide release schedule this coming week, so uh, I'll just burn through these ones real quick. I did see Pixar's new one, Onward. Dude, I kind of dug it. I liked it. Seems bizarre. Yeah, it's a very strange idea. Uh, you seem like, and the thought of it when you realize, like, yeah, a dad coming back for 24 hours, is this going to be like an emotional terrorism type movie? And they honestly shy away from a lot of the more dramatic stuff, which I, you know, with the Pixar film, you're kind of expecting. I like the world, though, and the act, the voice acting's fun enough. It's it's not top tier Pixar, but it's pretty damn good. It's I, I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would based on the trailers. Pixar, by the way, notoriously has shitty trailers, except for that new Soul one. I'm very interested in that, but typically their marketing pretty bad. Yeah. is kind of shit for their movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm never excited other than the fact that it's a Pixar movie. Uh, checked out The Way Back. Ben Affleck drinks his way through a basketball coach. Uh, you know, dude, 
exactly what you're picturing, but Affleck's really good in it. I like me some Affleck when he's on his game, and he's really good in this movie. I, I have to shout out my friend uh, Ty, who's a part of the Bucket Up podcast. Uh, we were talking about this online, and he called that uh, clam chowder Coach Carter. <laughs> That is 100% correct. Yeah, no, that is uh, the best way to describe that movie. Wow. Dope. If that's your type of movie, you'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy it. It's by the guy who did Warrior, which I fucking love, and Miracle. So I love Warrior. Sports, exactly. Sports, and Miracle. Sports drama director. Exactly. And then what else did I see? I saw Ghost for the very first time. I've never seen that movie. <laughs> the Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore one? Yeah. Just escaped me my whole life. Or I, or I maybe had seen it when I was a little kid, but rewatching this time, I was like, holy, I've never seen this. This is fucking good. Watch ghosts. Zach. Speaking of which, I saw it chapter two for the first time last night. That movie sucked. I couldn't believe how bad that movie was. <laughs> Dude, that, that, was that movie. Rough. I can't I believe how bad like that, that movie was, Brandon. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me that movie was that bad? I couldn't believe what I was watching. <laughs> the part where the guy barfs and all of a sudden Angel of the Morning comes on for no explicable reason. What's happening? What was that movie supposed to be? Uh, yeah, I'll agree with you on that one. Not a not a fun watch. Fuck me, man. And finally, yeah, I watched The Hunt, the one that finally came out. It was supposed to come out last year, and then President Trump was all pissed because it was about them shooting, like, Republicans or something. Yeah. You know, it's it's a Bloomhouse movie. Uh, Dennis from It's Always Sunny's in there, which is yeah. pretty good. It's got a great supporting cast of people you've seen before but never are the leads, like Ethan Supley, Ike Barinholtz sure. is in there. It's it's fine, dude. It really not worth the controversy at all. But it's a fun little oh, kind of cool most figure. dangerous game type movie. Don't expect anything like mind blowing when they keep, you know, purporting this to be the most controversial film of the year. And then you watch it, and it's just you know your average kind of. It honestly, it felt a lot like a Netflix movie, a good Netflix movie, but one that you could have just chill it on. Media hype. By the way, I watched that uh, the gang gets quarantined episode the other day. It's oh, always timely. So, so good. <laughs> Such a good episode. We've been getting off track a lot in this episode. We are. This is far too long. And these episodes usually aren't this long, but let's get to next week's episode. Uh, Zach, we wanted something that's maybe going to brighten our day. <laughs> yeah. Lift our spirits. Well, so like I said, we were going to do Little Big League next week in celebration of baseball coming out relatively soon. Baseball has been pushed back due to the Rony virus. Um <laughs> So we've decided to do something that just, like, we don't have to think about too much. Um, that's why we are doing Austin Powers' gold member, Brandon. Why gold member, Brandon? Well, I remember seeing that twice in theaters. I think this is the one you've seen the most, too, right? I've seen this one the most. I uh, saw it on my birthday. Um, what a treat. When I was young. Honestly, we both were probably too young to go see any of the Austin Powers movies in theaters until Goldmember. So I think it kind of makes sense personally. But we'll do that. Um, <laughs> Anything to get us through where, you know, yes, yeah, some of us will be locked in. Yeah, will it lift up my spirits? I doubt <laughs> it's it. It's a movie. But, we'll be watching it. We'll know, be back. We'll be here. You get it. You know, shoot us an email if you'd like, nostalgiabedampod at gmail.com. You can also shoot us a message over on uh, Facebook. We're also on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You can check out this episode and any episode of Nostalgia Be Damned at nbd.podbean.com. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Thank you for listening, and don't be getting into any doo-doo trouble, dude. <laughs> you saw in big doo-doo this time. And if you do get into big doo-doo, wash your fucking hands. Yes, just wash your hands. So much could be solved with just keeping them critters clean. Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, enjoy. We'll be back. Bye. Bye.